Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's Rob. We're going to have a, a little cold today. Sorry about the voice there. Um, <clears throat> so what we're doing today is putting the spotlight on Sunjay Nath, if I'm saying that correctly, who is an engineer turned entrepreneur. Um, <clears throat> we're going to try to get him on the line right now with us. Sunjay, are you there, Sunjay? I am here. Very good, very good. It's all working out just according to plan. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> a couple minutes. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Hanging in there. How uh trying to recuperate from a little midwinter cold here. <clears throat> um, so a little bit from uh from your bio here. We've got uh and am I saying it right? Is it Sanjay? Yeah, Sanjay. Okay, good. Just like it looks. Um so so you you travel you're a traveler. Um you developed something called the 108010 principle which I want to talk a little bit about. Um and you by and large at this point you've uh motivated millions, I guess is what it looks like and uh why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got where you're at? Did you uh, grow up with entrepreneur parents or uh what's your backstory? Uh well actually my my academic background is I have a degree in uh, in mathematical engineering. And that is, if you want to turn off people from a conversation, you tell them that, and they go running. Um, and it's often <laughs> one of the jokes I use. One of the jokes I use when I'm doing a program is, is uh, absolutely, is I, uh, you know, when I'm introduced, I, I first thing out of my mouth sometimes I say is, you know, how many people are really concerned that an engineer is about to dress them for an hour? And you know, you, you get, get, get some <laughs> chuckles on that. <laughs> a little worried is an understatement. I mean, You've got the two scariest things known to most mankind in one phrase there, <laughs> math and engineering. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, the joke that I often use is I go, come on, everyone knows that engineers are well-spoken, social, emotional creatures, and logically follows. They should all become professional speakers. And um, once once the chuckling dies down, I, I mean, here's my background. I was in uh, my second year of university, and I was putting together a leadership program for a bunch of high school students. And one of our speakers bailed at the last minute. And everyone on the committee kind of looked at me and they said, you, you, you think you're funny? You fill in for him. And I said, what do I say? And they said, we don't care. Just do something. And I went, okay. Uh, and I went and I did that. What an offhand compliment uh, that is. You think you're funny. Uh, absolutely. Right? It, you take it, you know, take it as however you want. Um, so I went and did that program. And someone in the audience said, that was really good. Can you come here and do this? And I went, okay. And I went and did that. And someone in that audience said, will you come here and do this? That was really good. And it just kind of snowballed. And at one point, someone gave me money. And I went, oh, no, no, I'm doing this for free. And they're like, no, we're sorry, we can pay you more. It's actually worth a lot more. And I went, really? And <laughs> and that's kind of how my business was born. Uh, I was 19 years old, and uh, I, I was speaking for a group. And there was a teacher in the audience, and she said, you know, how much do you charge to speak at schools? And I went, you can charge to speak at schools? <laughs> and wow. my business was born. That's great. So yeah, and then since then, uh, I've I've had that was twenty years ago. Uh, I've spoken live in about two thousand audiences, about a million people around the world in person, and uh, it's it's like any other uh, opportunity, any other business. There are things that are great about it. There are things that are horrible about it. And it's not that it's right or wrong. It's all about does it fit your personality, your lifestyle, and your time frame. And so, I mean, the example I use is, you know, am I a road warrior? Yeah, I, I travel a fair amount. Uh, I have three kids. The year before my eldest son was born, I was on 108 flights. 
I've always hated traveling. Wow. I've never been a fan of it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I go, if traveling, if I have to suck up the traveling for doing everything I do, I love it overall, and it's it's totally worth it. I've yet to meet a teacher in the world that likes marking. There are teachers that love teaching, but they all hate marking. So right. no matter what you do, there's always going to be you know ups and downs, and you got to sort of enjoy both. Sure. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better myself. And and it's like it's always you know the way you described it. It's it's nice when the you know so many of us and, and probably everybody at some point in their career, whether an entrepreneur or or, or an author, or or I talked to a boxer the other day, and um, you know it, it's really what it all comes down to is packaging and marketing. And and you can have you can have the best. You know, with you, it it was really the opposite though. The money found you. Usually, you're chasing the money. And you kind of, kind of happenstance into like, kind of like literally the the money found you, and they're like, no, you're you're worth money here, you know. Usually yeah, people are trying to tell you the reverse, so you're not worth any money, and I'm not going to give you any money. <laughs> and and you, know? you know, I think that a really important piece on that, you know, take it a little further, is that is the key to sustainability, because there's so many people that chase the money, chase the dream. Whatever, I'm going to be the doctor, I'm going to be whatever, uh, and and they might get there. But then they get there, and they I, I, I want to say it's a Stephen Covey quote. He says, you climb the, the ladder of success only to realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. And so people get there, and they, they bust their butt, and they do so well, and they study so hard, and they become that doctor, and they've arrived, and they go, this sucks. And, and they, they quit, and they become a carpenter. And for the first time in their life, they're happy, and everyone around them goes, oh, Johnny had a midlife crisis. No, he didn't have a midlife crisis. He had a midlife uh, epiphany. He, you know, he finally saw things clearly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 all of a sudden it becomes sustainable. You mismanage it. <laughs> absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah, you you find you find that you know the the um like you said the proverbial uh, ladder against the wrong wall and and you hit that and then like you say if you know you, you spend years and years and years and I and I used this example when I was talking to uh, uh, the other day I was talking to a guest I said you know the example really is like if you can if, if if I mean you said it best, you know you're chasing the you're chasing the quote unquote dream, and then you catch it, and you're like, eh, not so much. <laughs> and then right. and then and use the example of the doctor, and God forbid they've got two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt on top of that. <laughs> of course, and you know usually when you're chasing the dream, the problem is, it's not your dream; it's someone else's. It's what your parents wanted for you. It's what your grandfather wanted. Your student council or your student counselor wanted for you. Whoever it is, and those are the ones that are not sustainable. When things, when you're consistent and passionate and in line with what your true calling is, it kind of weird how it all plays out. But it finds you. The money finds you. The opportunities find you. Uh, it doesn't right. mean you don't have to work because you still need to to work hard. But it's just interesting how the universe tends to provide better for you. Sure. Very true. Very true. What um, what was um like before before you picked up the mic the first time? Um, kind of what was your motivating factor then? Did, did you have uh, was there any background in entrepreneurial spirits or speakers or anything in your family or just literally uh, happened? Well, no. There, I mean, the idea of being an entrepreneur is always very attractive to me. Um, I have an uncle that was an entrepreneur, a relatively successful entrepreneur. Uh, the other thing, too, is I have career ADD. I knew that a long time ago. I can't do something for too long. Otherwise, you know, I, I start to, to boil and, and all that sort of thing. When I was in uh, in 10th grade, I went to a leadership conference, and uh, there were speakers there 
that just had a, a an impact on me that I was like, wow, I didn't realize that just listening to a speaker could entice you that way and excite you that way. And I sat there as a, as a 15-year-old and I said, you know what, one day I'm going to come back and speak for this event. And I didn't think you could do it professionally. I wasn't thinking that at all. I thought I would just come back one year and I'd volunteer. And as I was thinking about that, what I had in the back of my head is I heard them reading my intro. And it was, you know, Sanjay's gone to outer space and skydived naked and whatever crazy things uh, (laughs) were in my bio. But the last line of it, I heard them saying, uh, you know, in this this future vision was, and he used to, you know, he sat in this room X number of years ago. And so it was just kind of something that was kind of cool. I thought, you know, it'd be neat someday if. And so this May, I will be going back for the 26th year in a row for that exact organization. So, yeah, there was little, you know, peripheral bits here and there, and I saw the impact speakers had, had some entrepreneurial blood in the family. Um, but, again, it's not that it's it's good, bad, right, or wrong. It's It's all about fit. And given my personality, I love the entrepreneurial lifestyle. I love the fact that sometimes tumbleweeds go through my schedule and other times I don't have time to breathe. I love that each day is different. I love that my income fluctuates. Um, and I love that if I work really, really hard, I tend to make more money. And when, I, you know, things are, when, I'm, when I'm being lazy, I tend to make less money. I love that. Um, versus, and again, it's all about personality, versus you have a job and you're on salary and if you work really, really hard, you get the same amount as if you don't work at all. So it just it just fits so nicely for me. Sure. What is the um oh what was I just gonna I had it right here. Oh here it is it's just something called the ten eighty ten principle. What is that all about? The ten eighty ten principle. So if you've gone into the the the, the self help world and you've seen the speakers and you've read the books and you've seen the DVDs and all that other fun stuff and you submerge yourself like any other industry in the world, if you play in it long enough, you tend to see patterns emerge. And so I've seen many speakers and read many books and seen many DVDs and seen many presentations. And I realize that at the core of every presentation I've seen, regardless of the topic, whether I'm teaching you how to be in better shape, whether I'm teaching you how to be in a better relationship, whether making money, et cetera, et cetera, the core of everything comes down to within you, you have certain abilities learn to recognize him, you go further. And so I, I, I sort of like that messaging because it's it, if said correctly, uh, it really helps people. And see, what makes one speaker or book more effective than the next is not the content per se because the content, if you, again, if you look and you see the patterns, there's only about a dozen or so messages that come up in different forms, uh, messages around communication or perception or personal responsibility, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not really the, the core message as much as it is the ability to speak to the language of the audience. So, like I said, having played around this long enough and, and sort of seen some of these patterns emerge, I went, which one to me is the most re- the most relevant? Which one resonates the most? And I created something called the 108010 principle based on that, which is really all about focusing on your strengths. And I'm not sure how much you want me to go into it, um, no, but I mean, yeah, the core of it is... This is intriguing. Okay, I'll, I'll ramble on. You tell me to, you know, you hit snooze and run a seven-second delay, I hope, just just in case. Um, uh-oh. Okay, so in the 108010 says this. You, you take any group of people, and you can subdivide them into three groups. Top 10%, bottom 10%, 
majority 80%. Top 10 get to be there. Bottom 10 have to be there. Majority 80 goes with the flow. So what does that mean? It means that if you're at a you're at an event. Uh, let's you you go to a, a play, okay? Ten percent, roughly, and and I mean these are all approximations because every group is sure. going to be different. But there's a top group, a bottom yeah, group, right. and a big chunk in the middle. The chunk in the middle is looking for direction. They're going to go up and become keen, or they're going to go down and become duds based on how loud the top 10 and bottom 10 are. Not physically loud, but loud in terms of personality, in terms of charisma, etc. So if you go into a play, 10% of the people are so excited to be there. It's the mother of lead role. It's it's the uncle. It's it's the, the girlfriend and the boyfriend. They're, they're so excited about being there. That's your top 10. Bottom 10 have to be there. They're dragged along. It's the kids. It's the, the in-laws, the whomever. They're, they're forced to be there. The majority 80 are going to go with flow. What does that mean? It means if it's a good play and the people around them are laughing and into it, they're going to be involved. If it's a horrible play and the people around them are booing and jeering, they're going to start doing that too. So they're going to follow whoever has more social influence and accolades. So I always say that if you're part of an organization where the top ten is revered, where success is rewarded, where you're given accolades and pats on the back, uh, this is called a dynamic organization. The organization moves forward. Why? The top ten gets empowered, and then they influence the majority 80, and the whole group moves forward. Or sorry, 90% of the group moves forward, the top 10 and the majority 80. If you're part of an organization where the bottom 10 is revered, where it's cool to cut corners, to cheat, to lie, to manipulate, you know, insert my joke here, some people call that politics, um, but that is a, that's what I call a static organization. Why? Because the bottom 10 gets empowered, they suck the life out of the majority 80, the organization gets stuck and they go nowhere. So here comes the question. You're in a position of influence as an entrepreneur. Who do you target? Because every entrepreneur has top 10, bottom 10, majority 80 clients. The top mm-hmm. 10 will always buy from you. The bottom 10 will never buy from you. And the majority 80 may or may not, depending on how loud your top 10 is and how loud your bottom 10 is. Sure. And so if you if you go look into it, you know, go deep, a little deeper, if you target the bottom 10, more often than not, you lead to what I call the triple whammy. Three whammies. Whammy number one. You can um, you can spit and yell and try to convince someone who doesn't want to buy from you to buy from you. And you can spend 45 <laughs> minutes of giving them your best material. And if they hate you and they hate your product, they're not going to buy. It's wasted right. resources. It, and, and you're not even trying to get to the core of it. All you're trying to do is you're, you know, you're, it's what we call push marketing. It's not going to work. In fact, so that's right. one whammy. You haven't changed their behavior. That's one. Whammy number two, how do you feel? You've just spent 45 minutes trying to win this person over, and he or she laughs at you, and they, they, they flick you off. You're demotivated. You're frustrated. You're exhausted. That's whammy number two. Whammy yeah. number three, here's the most important one that most people forget about. Everyone around that person, how do they feel? And the answer is ignored. You see all these potential clients you could have been actually been making a difference with. You were ignoring and and you were hanging out with the with the energy vacuum, the energy vampire, trying to win them uh, in, in a conversation that you weren't going to win. Wow. So the bottom ten doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, what about right. the majority eighty? Well, here's here's the problem with the majority eighty. Majority eighty, there's one of you and a whole whack of them. So if you're going to target, I don't know your your demographic is there's a thousand potential customers and eight hundred are majority eighty. You got to run through, try to connect with eight hundred people. It's not going to work. 
because you have limited time, limited resources. You get very transactional relationships. You're not getting anything transformational. Now, will you win some people over? Absolutely. But you're not getting your biggest bang for your buck. Okay, well, what about the top ten? Well, top ten, first of all, this is going to be the easiest group to work with. Your stress goes way down. Your job satisfaction goes way up. And you're hanging out in a space you like to, to hang out. So what happens there is you empower these folks. They get excited. They go sing your praises from the rooftops. The majority 80 starts following them. Once 90% are on board, your top 10 plus your majority 80, the bottom 10 does something that I think is quite remarkable. What they actually do is they break apart. Part of the group runs after everyone going, wait for me, I want to do it too. And the other half goes, oh, I hate this, I'm out of here. And they leave. And that's exactly what you want. You don't want to try to win over the people that don't want to be won over. Sure. So, I mean, how does it play, how does it play out for entrepreneurs? Um, this is what a typical entrepreneur often gets caught up in. Okay? I became an entrepreneur because I love widgets. And I make widgets so well, and I make them better than, any, better than the next guy. So what do I do? I make my widgets. That's what most entrepreneurs do. And then they say, okay, ah, oh, bookkeeping. I hate bookkeeping. I suck at bookkeeping. But... I want to save the money. So what do they do? They do their bookkeeping, and they make four times more mistakes than had they hired a bookkeeper. So let's put it in the framework. Your top ten is making widgets. You're good at it. You like it. That's your top ten. Your bottom ten is doing the books. Okay. So what's going on? Here are the options. Option number one, I'm going to try to save a few dollars. I will spend four times more time, make four times as many many mistakes, and do my own books. Option number two, the strength base is, I'm good at widgets. I love making widgets. That's why I became an entrepreneur. I will make more widgets in that time, hire someone to do the bookkeeping. They're going to do it for a quarter of the time, reduce my stress. I don't have to waste the resources. It's going to be more accurate. And in the meantime, I can make more widgets and actually cover the costs and then some of them doing the bookkeeping. But often, again, we get caught up in, in, in the bottom ten. Uh, I mean, I, sure. I can give countless examples of, of what we do this, whether it's professionally, um, uh, politically, you know, uh, health-wise uh, is, is an example. And, and the, the coolest part about this whole framework is this, is it works for groups of people, but mm-hmm. it also works on an individual basis. That's so what I take any what dimension, I actually not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, if you take any dimension of your life, you exhibit 1080-10 behaviors. You have top 10, bottom 10, and majority 80. You know, something like uh, eating. We all have, with, or just to go even higher than that, go health in general. We all have top 10 behaviors, bottom 10 behaviors, and majority 80 behaviors. And so many people who get caught in diets and fads, what they end up doing is they end up playing in the bottom 10 rather than the top 10. They get obsessed with all the things that they don't want that they end up empowering and playing more in the in the in the bottom ten, which actually attracts the majority eighty down. And they get mm-hmm. caught up in that. And this is why so many people end up worse off post diet than pre diet. Because they get obsessed right. with the bottom ten and all they're doing is thinking bottom ten, bottom ten, bottom and the more time, the more energy, the more resources you spend with either the bottom ten or the top ten, the more it attracts the majority eighty. Mm-hmm. So wow. The, is, the, the um, big mission I'm on is trying to help people to go, who am I? Where's my top ten? How do I empower it? How do I grow it so that my business moves, my organization moves, my relationships moves, my physical body moves? If I had a nickel for every time I told somebody, and, and here's a, an example now, and, and of course, 
I had no idea I was a, a, exhibiting a 1080-10 principle, but I certainly was when I would tell people, whether it be an associate, business partner, what have you, um, listen, cut that person loose because they're just bringing us down, you know, or or, or uh, some people call it firing a customer. Um, and it's not because you don't like the person or you don't have a, you know, you personally you don't, not, don't like someone. It's just that are they are they bettering? Are, are, you, are you both, you know, business relationships should be mutually beneficial. So you're coming to me, you're going to pay me for something. Hopefully there's something that I'm providing you is worth what you're paying, and then we both prosper. Um, if and, and, gosh, you know, you're, you're, you're right on with this 10 eight, 10 because it could apply to your personal life. At some point in time, you get to a certain age, and, and you just sit back and say, are these people who are around me, are they making me better or, or, or weighing me down? Um, and Absolutely. it just comes to a sort of an evaluation of, of is this beneficial to both parties or is one of us weighing the other one down? Um, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's simple but brilliant. It's simple and it's brilliant. And to be yeah. honest with you, I'm kind of surprised that a mathematician engineer came up with something so basic. Come on, there's, there's numbers <laughs> in it. There's it. numbers in it. <laughs> it's got three right. numbers in it, so that's very mathematical, isn't it? <laughs> Um, and yeah, but, but I, I think that you're exactly what you're saying is that that idea of um, you know I, I've done work with real estate associations, and that's one of the things I, I truly try to to push. Um, and I don't, I don't want to pick on a particular real estate agency, so we'll say you know Company X and Company Y. Those are your two big real estate companies. And if there is a if there's someone who's really 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 Company X loyal, and I work for Company Y. Relative to me, that person's the bottom 10. It has nothing to do with their personality. It has nothing to do with their character. I'm not judging that. I'm looking strictly at their actions with regards to what I'm trying to achieve. And I want more business. And if I'm company X and they support company Y, uh, sorry, if I'm company Y and they support company X, they're a bottom 10. Now, how does this, what, are, what are our approaches? Well, the approach is I can try to win this person over. But if they're already committed to company X and they love, love, love company X, I yeah. can... Uh, for all I know, it's their brother or their wife works for Company X, and that's why they're sure. doing it. I'm not going to win them over. I can try to give them incentivize them and give them money back and and buy them yep. a car and enter them in the draw. <laughs> it will not work. I'm, right. What I'm doing is I'm wasting my own resources. Okay, so what's the other option? Other option is I'm Company Y. I have my top ten Company Y people. So what I do? All the money and all the incentives I was giving to those people in the in you know in the Company X, I give to Company Y. My past wow. clients, I give them referral yeah. fees, I give them uh, a box of chocolates, whatever it is, and then what do they do? They go, and then they start singing the, the praises, and they're yelling, they're like, sure. they're telling their neighbors, they're telling the people at the hair salon, oh my God, you know what they, you know what they did for me? They did this, they yeah. did this. And they're like, yeah, really? My, my agent because, doesn't do that. A, a customer slash evangelist is much better than a customer, and, and that's just, I mean, that you just nailed it right there. And it's a good example to use real estate agents. Well, I'm not going to pick on anybody either, but it, let's just say it's a good, actually real estate agents are really a good example because um, just kind of the, the job they do and, and, and the, the really successful ones are really not necessarily brilliant. They're just brilliant at being around people and, and, and just kind of people persons is what it comes right down to. And Like you say, if you spin your wheels on, on the, the 10 that 
you don't you can't spend enough time on the top ten if you're focused too much on the middle eighty or the bottom ten. I mean, I, I can. That's just brilliant in its simplicity. I really do. We've got about a minute, 40 seconds left. Um, I owe you a little more time, so I'll have to have you back because there's just not enough time in a half an hour to, to, to get all this. This is fantastic stuff. Uh, no, 90 no seconds. problem. So if somebody searches for uh, for your name, Sunjay Nath, that's S-U-N-J-A-Y, just like it sounds. Uh, uh, and then Nath is N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom, H, um, engineer, turn entrepreneur, Still is an engineer because you, you, it's all about speaking a slightly different language than, you, than most people are used to, and that's really what you're doing is interpreting the realities of the world around us, and that's fantastic. I love this. We gotta have you back on again. We'll work on that. Um, I know you're busy, but uh, maybe we can listen to part of one of your uh, engagements at some point in time. How about uh, internet-wise? Where are you at on the internet? Just my name dot com. So Sunjaynath dot com. S U N J A Y N is in November. A T is in Toronto. H dot com. Sunjaynath, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Like I say, we're gonna we're gonna definitely get you back on here because you just have too much uh, knowledge for half an hour. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Mathematician, engineer, two of the scariest words known to mankind. And <laughs> turned entrepreneur, speaker, and uh, fantastic time. I appreciate your time. Um, give us a call anytime, and we'll have you back on. It was a fantastic talk. We're down to 14 seconds. You can find me if you just Google Rob Thrasher. I have more um, more interviews and interesting people on Spotlight on Success. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob.